0: You take your copy of God's word this evening and let's go to Matthew chapter 7 and uh, we're gonna go back to our, our lessons to learn or yeah lessons to learn series uh, our study through and our journey through the um, through the Sermon on the Mount uh, before we get started I've got uh, one more uh, announcement to make um, we will be replacing a bulb in that back uh, projector. And it is desperately needed. I, don't, I thought I knew the songs better than what I did. I, I wasn't even singing through half of our worship this morning. And, this, you know, tonight I was having to listen to you. So we've got to erect a scaffolding to do that. So to, in order for that to happen, we need about uh, five or six good, strong men and maybe one weaker man. And we'll, um, and so, um, at any rate, we just need a good team. We're going to uh, uh, put the scaffolding up. They're going to get to that projector. And next week, I'll be able to sing. So um uh, you know that thing went out during our very last production of the lamb and went out right in the middle story I, I, yeah that's what i meant i totally meant the story and uh you're talking about people singing on faith and doing their commentary by faith you know down here but god is good and i think any time when when we can um, when we can take who we are and we put it together for god's glory and to see what he will entrust to us uh, I'm sometimes downright ashamed at the way that I feel sometimes uh, knowing how good God is, you know, and uh man, I will tell you what he sure has blessed um all right, so in 1992, I graduated in high school, and uh, part of that whole routine is you get a class ring. I'm wearing my class ring tonight from high school. Isn't that pretty? Uh, in 1996, I am uh, take I'm with some kids, some teenagers, at a summer camp um, in Lake Waccamaw, North Carolina, and we're out um, skiing, skiing, and. Um, Lake Waccamaw is uh, part of a series of lakes in eastern North Carolina called Basin Lakes. They were formed you know, a long, long time ago. And a key feature about Basin Lakes is that they're almost perfectly round and that they are notoriously shallow throughout the good, good portion. Like Lake Waccamaw, I think at its deepest point, may only be like 25 or 30 feet at the very deepest. Um, a good portion of Lake Waccamaw is only like five to six feet, and you can walk out hundreds of well, I'll say hundreds. You can walk out, you know, a long, long way from the shore, and the water's only like up to, you know, it, it, it takes a long time for it to give even to your neck. So, uh, but it's still safe, obviously, for, for motorboating and, and what have you. And we were uh, water skiing, and I lose my class ring. Yeah, and okay, that's that's a goner. And then, last summer, 2014, I get a phone call here in the office from a guy I have not heard from in years. His name is David Ulrich, and he was a camp director at Lake Waccamaw the camp there. And he said, uh, Chris, I said, hey, brother David, I've not heard from you in a while. What, what gives? He said, a kid was out swimming, and he found your class ring. 18 years in the bottom of the lake, and here it is. So... I thought to myself, well, cash for gold? No, no, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. But in all those 18 years, I never really thought about looking for it. I thought how pointless it would be just to even look for it. Um, At least I thought it was going to be pointless. I don't think I would have ever found it on my own, but it was eventually found and it was returned to me. The reason why I bring that up and I tell that story is because, you know, in life, like I preached about this morning, when we were at that crossroads of brokenness and God's holiness, um, once that journey begins for all of us, we will have a tendency at times to be asking for the wrong things. We're not quite sure what to look for. And so I think after preaching a message like that this morning, we get to a text that I believe will help us While we're on that journey, and I've called the the title of this message, Finding What You're Not Looking For, how do we as believers, if we want to follow the Lord, and I mean we really want to do His will, sometimes we don't know what to ask for, Uh, but we're going to ask what we know to ask or know what we think we need. And so this text tonight is going to help us to even find things that we, we may not even be looking for, it, but God is going to help us to find and to supply our needs and to prove how good He is. And so I believe that's one of the, 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 the purposes behind this text tonight. Uh, we're going to be reading and studying verses 7 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, you're, you're in Matthew chapter 7. Let's stand together and honor the reading of His Word. <clears throat> I'll begin in verse 7. Ask, and it will be... So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Father in heaven, I pray that tonight as I even attempt to unpack this and and give some insight. Lord, I I cannot speak uh, no more than what I have communed with you this week. And Father, I would love to say I could have communed, uh, I've communed all that, that I needed to. But Father, I think we all are guilty of uh, knowing we, we could have spent more time with you. Uh, but, Father, you know, I know that you're going to anoint this. Father, I know that you will bless, and I ask you to bless the reading of your word, the preaching of this message, Father, that uh, not only will you receive the glory, we as believers will be encouraged and equipped to follow you more closely. In Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So <clears throat> this, this uh, Sermon on the Mount, you know, this was Jesus' inaugural address. This was his speech to the multitudes. And really, he wasn't pitching a sales ad or anything. He was basically saying, guys, this is my kingdom. These are my rules. And if you want to follow me, this is how it's going to be. If you want to be a part of uh, uh, following me, this is my agenda. Uh, These are some of the things you're going to have to be concerned with. And we have just been through uh, just uh, some amazing content already. Last week we talked about the, the issue of judging others. Uh, we looked at um, uh, uh, swines and canines. You remember that text also a couple weeks ago. Why do we get to a passage like this? Well, I think it's kind of easy to understand why our Lord would, would give us all this content and say, Listen, you need to ask, you need to seek, and you're going to need to not. In other words, there's going to be a process to your following me. And I believe one of the greatest encouragements of this sermon, I'm going to go and give to you up front. Your walk with Jesus is on a trajectory. We all begin at different places in our life. You remember how I mentioned this morning that, that moral knowledge just isn't enough, right? And it really isn't. However, there would be a difference between someone who's been an addict, a drunkard, or whatever coming to Christ... As opposed to someone who had a different type of upbringing, didn't have a lot of struggles, all that stuff, but they still accepted Christ nonetheless. They both, even though they both come to the cross, their journey of faith are kind of starting in two different places. Do you see what I'm talking about? Okay. But both are going to have specific needs. Both are going to have uh, desires. Both are going to have uh, particular things that they need to do and adjust in their life. And so it's not like a cookie cutter Christianity where the things God deals with me, he's going to have to deal with you on. You may not struggle with the things I'm struggling with, or I may not have gone through the things that that you have gone through. And so when we are walking with, with Christ, we're going to have to learn to do it with a little bit of individuality. Now, the reason why we come to church, and I believe one of the beauties about uh, about uh, our, our uh, fellowship together is, like the scriptures say, iron sharpening iron. We get to bounce ideas off one another. We get to encourage one another. We get to, you know, share our struggles, and, and we get, you know, encouragement. We're going to get some rebuke. We'll get instruction. We're supposed to get all of those things to help us on that Monday through Saturday. But in that Monday through Saturday, what are we looking for? Well, let's look at our text, and I'm going to give you the points uh, of this sermon and kind of unpack the Scriptures as we go. First of all, we need to understand that the process of asking, seeking, and knocking can strengthen your faith. It can strengthen your faith. Look at the text here. Asking it will be given, seeking you will find, knocking it will be open to you. Now, the interesting thing about that verse is that it was, it was written in, in, a, in a present tense. Now, some versions of, the, of, of your scriptures, you may have it worded where it reflects that present tense. Here's what I mean. It actually means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's a continual action. Now, here's why something like that can strengthen my faith. Let's say that you and I have a particular need that we've identified. We think we have identified it in our lives, and we need to present it to the Lord. But maybe our perception isn't really as, as, as different from what God's. God says, well, no, it's not so much of a need that you think it is, but what I do want you to do, I still want you to keep asking, seeking, and knocking. And here's why. The more that you keep coming to me, the more that you spend at my feet, there will some things that will be adjusted in your life. Number one, you're going to learn to live without it. When I was in college, I had to learn to live without money. And I worked, too. And I don't know where my money went to. Actually, I, you know, it, it probably went to the craziest things, obviously. But but I, I remember coming home, and I've worked so hard, and it wasn't payday yet. And I, and I missed mealtime in the cafeteria, and I am hungry. Okay? Hungry is different than hungry. I don't know if you all knew that or not, but it's way different. And I kid you not, there had been nights that I've had to uh, go down into the lounge where the boys' dormitory was, and I went through the seat cushions of the couches to find enough change to go get me a Pepsi and a pack of uh, peanut M&Ms. That was just like breakfast of champions and lunch and supper for champions. But, you know, what I'm saying is, What we think may be a need in our life, it may not be as necessary from God's perspective. But he says, I still want you to come to me because the more that you are coming to me, the more you are still depending on me. And the more that you are you are asking and seeking and knocking, the more maybe that your worldview is going to change a little bit. And maybe you will even see that what you've perceived as a need may not be as big of a need as you thought. Not only will it become a habit for you to if you're asking, seeking and knocking, not only will it generate a habit of you going to going to the Lord. Yes, it will strengthen my faith because I'll realize that each day that I'm asking for something that I don't yet have, I'm learning to live without it. So if I'm learning to live without it, maybe maybe that's God's way of saying maybe you don't need it just yet. I'm I'm so thankful for the for the not yet. Sometimes I, you know, I, I tell you, I'm so blessed. Uh, I've got a wife like no other. And um, I, I, you know, what I thought there were a couple times. Oh, I, I found the one. I found the one. I, I'm thankful that God said, no, not yet, not yet. I'm, I'm thankful for the times when I, when I wanted to pursue something and God said, no, not yet, not yet. Then we move on to verse eight. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, here's something we need to understand. He just said, ask, seek, knock. I'm telling you, we give him our needs. He may not give it right away, but here's something that we do realize. Point number two God promises that he will respond. This is also repeated in verse 11. Look there. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How many of you have children? your, your children? Uh, or maybe grandchildren. Well, no, grandchildren, because you give them everything they ask you for grandparents. I know how that works. So let's go back. Think about your children. You didn't give them everything they asked for, did you? Oh, of course not. But you would respond, did you not? Of course. Of course. With my kids, sometimes it's, hold on a minute, <laughs> right? Sometimes it's a not yet. Sometimes it's, you know, you don't need that. That may not be good for you. Your kids can come to you and say, Dad, I want chocolate cake for breakfast. Now, on certain occasions, chocolate cake is good. On every occasion for me, chocolate cake is good. But when you're raising children, you don't want to give that For a breakfast item? No, that's that's not good. So the item itself is probably, you know, nothing wrong with the item, but it's just not yet. God is saying, listen, I will respond if you ask, if you seek, if you knock. I'm going to hear you and I'm going to respond to you. I will not leave you hanging. I will not leave you without a voice. I will not leave you without an understanding. I promise you I'm going to respond. So he gives that to us as, a, as an item for verse 8, and it's also re- repeated for us in verse 11, because he says, listen, I am your heavenly father. And just like you as earthly fathers and mothers would respond, I'm going to respond to you the same way, because just like you love your children, I love you even more. And then it gets interesting, because the what we see in content of verse 8 and verse 11 it it just kind of it kind of flows into a, a the, the core of the text, which is verses nine and ten, and and it's a, a simple point. Point number three is simply this: God does not play tricks. I, I really tried to make this a big theological point, but I'm like, no, this is what He's saying. He's not going to play tricks with you. He is not gonna He's not gonna request of you to ask, seek, and knock, and then He will respond. And then lead you on like dangling a carrot in front of a donkey. He's just not in that business. He will not play tricks with you. And here's how we see that. Look at verse 9. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Now you know where he's getting that from, don't you? You Remember Jesus ran into a situation like that. The devil said, turn, ask to turn these stones into bread. Why? Because, well, I mean, the imagery of a stone, you know, if you can imagine a round, smooth stone, looks like a loaf of bread in a way. So he says, if your son asks for a piece of bread, you're not going to give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. What's he telling us there? He's saying, listen, you may ask me for bread. I may not give you bread, but I'm not going to mess around with you and give you something that will hurt you. You may be asking me for a fish, but I am not going to give you a snake. I'm not going to make things worse for you, and I'm not going to fool you. I believe that a lot of folks, and if you're like me, you're in this position more than you really want to care to admit, but sometimes I get confused. How many of you get confused and you're walking with God? Lord, is this the right direction? Is this the right decision? You know, as well as I do, that God is not in the business of confusing people. So we know it's not of the Lord. And he's not going to confuse you with the things that you were asking and seeking and knocking over. He's not going to play games with you. Now, I've illustrated a a point like this before using using this little story. How many of you like good old sweet tea? Everybody likes sweet tea. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, I hope it's just because you're lazy tonight. And you didn't, I mean, come on, we're in the South. We like sweet tea. All right. Now, but how many of you cannot handle the sugar in sweet tea? All right. If you're diabetic, you can't. But is there a solution? For you to enjoy some sweet tea without the sugar. Of course there is. You put in your Splenda, your Nutra, whatever, sweet and sweet and low. You've got these things that you can put in there to give it the effect of sweetness without it affecting your sugar. That's the way I illustrate these two verses here. God says, I know what you're asking and seeking and knocking for. I'm going to give you something that will satisfy maybe that urge that you have, but it's not going to be that particular thing because that's not going to be good for you. Ah, now we see it. Now we're getting it. So he does not play tricks. He, he He is in the business of making sure you have What you need. And I'm telling you, when God deals with us this way, it is not so we can just take in all of these blessings and hoard them like we see the people on on television do. Have you seen these shows? Uh, Is it called, I don't know what it's called, but Hoarders. And you go in and you see these people who... um, and, 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 you know, like it's mainly a mental thing, you know, they just can't throw away stuff, right? And they, they're pack rats, we call them, okay? I, I see some of you laughing back there, and I'm like, dude, y'all got to be. Listen, when, when my mom and dad, bless our heart, I hope they never move because, you know, it's going to take four or five, six tractor trailers, you know. So, now, sometimes we just accumulate stuff, Right? I'm not talking about just accumulating things. I'm talking about those who just over a period of time, they have a mental breakdown, something is not wired right, and they can't even throw away trash. What am I trying to say? Sometimes we try to hoard in blessings that God never meant for you to keep for an extended period of time. He says, if you ask for this, I'm going to demand something back. You remember the parable of the talents? That's a biblical illustration of what I'm trying to say here. I want to give to you one talent, three talents, five talents. You remember what happened with the one who went and had the three? He went out and doubled it. One and a half Went out and doubled it. The one that had one, what did he do? He, he buried it. No, dude, listen, I'm telling you. God is telling us some of these blessings I want you to have because you're going to need it for something else. What is that something else? Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Why would I put this verse in here? Because textually, it's a really, it's in an odd location. Uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit, when he was, when he was uh, uh, influencing these writers and, and, and telling them what to write, you know, inspiring them to write uh, th- this account, especially for Matthew, I'm thinking to myself, okay, God, why here and why now? Because the very next text gets to a text I mentioned to you this morning about the, the, the narrow and the wide gates. So why this text right now? Because if we're going to ask and we're going to seek and we're going to knock, there are several types of needs that we can have. There are going to be some needs that are going to be more personal. Something I need for, for my life or something that you need to see done in your life sometimes there are needs that we have and God says I'm going to pour out upon you some blessings like you will never like you can never dream about but I'm telling you <clears throat> if I give to you what you're looking for you wouldn't know what to do with it I'm giving you what I know that you need because I have listen last point right here point number 4 God has a plan for what he gives you that's the reason for verse 12 because listen how many of you how many of you don't raise your hand? But how many of you you want to treat others the way God treats you? you? You want to be kind to others the way that God is kind to you. Be a blessing to others the way God is being has been a blessing to you. Verses seven through eleven give us a a, 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 a what I call a vertical a, a vertical going up, you know, to, to God and His relationship with us. It's a vertical description vertical now for verse 12 which is going to be horizontal in a way that I can deal with others. you get it asking it will be given seeking you will find knocking it will be open for everyone who asks receives one who seeks finds one who knocks it will be open. Remember verse 11 he just told us that this is a relationship between us and our own children. We're already acting this way. Don't you want people to treat you in that same manner? Who will, who will be kind enough to you to give you? Uh, who will respond to to what is going on in your life and if something is happening? See, so I've, I've, I've you know, in, in ministry, you get to be in living rooms and in hospital rooms and in other places where there's a crisis going on and people ask for things you know good and well they don't need right then. You you know, you've been in those situations, I'm sure. In the same way that God deals with us. See, that's the reason why in verse 7 it's so important to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Because the more that we are at... Here's a good illustration. Luke chapter chapter 11, I believe, or Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Remember Mary and Martha? Jesus comes for dinner? Okay? And you remember, um, where, where was Mary? Anybody tell me where Mary was? Who? Cleaning? Cleaning? Where was Martha? Who? Where where was she? Okay. Who who come in to complain? You remember who came in? Mary came in to complain. Martha, Martha, Martha. I'm in here working and sweating. Jesus, will you tell her to get up from your feet and help me? Remember Jesus' response? I think it's around about verse 40. Mary, Martha's chosen the good thing. She's chosen the good thing. Don't tell anyone to leave the feet of Jesus. Don't do that. See, the reason why verse 12 make a difference in our lives is if we are in verse 7, spending time at the feet of Jesus. Then we will know how to operate with verse 12. That golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And I can do that because I've been at the feet of Jesus. And I know how he responds to me. I know the things that I've been asking of him. I, I know my wants and my wishes. I know those challenges that I go through. And I am and I just spend time at his feet. And the way that he deals with me, I know that that's how I can deal with others. In the way that I deal with others, I would want them to do it the same way with me. Sometimes we find these things without even looking. you got to remember, Jesus is right here, and, 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 and we're, we're almost done with this text. I only have about three or four more sermons out of this chapter, but you can see how in these three chapters thus far, He has been in the business of building people. He has been in the business of equipping people just like you and I Who have bills to pay, rowdy children, (laughs) you know, problems with our spouses, headaches, doctor's appointments, all those things, demands on us, jobs, worrying about how to get through life. They just had less technology around back then, but the same stuff. And Jesus spent his time telling them, guys, this is how you're to live. This is how you are to live. I've always kind of thought about it this way. Have you ever thought about it? You know, modern medicine can only keep you alive. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that you'll be living well. Have you ever thought about it that way? Jesus says, listen, I can guarantee how to live well long as you're alive, that's one thing: I'm going to teach you how to live well. I, I'm going to teach you how to depend upon me and the way that I deal with you and you deal with me, the lessons you learn from that, listen, that's going to go well with you on your journey because it's going to teach you how to relate to everyone else. What a great gift we've been had we, we've got. This, this is a gift that we would be told you spend time with me. You learn to relate with me and me to you and thereby you're going to learn how to relate to everyone else. But how great a God that gives us what we need. That's why, that's why he was called the great physician. One of the reasons why he was called the great physician. About the healing that you've experienced. Maybe not just physically, but what about, what about spiritually? But emotionally? I think one of, the, one of the greatest journeys I've had of recent in my own walk with Jesus is how to just learn to love my salvation. You remember when David in Psalm 51 um, was, was writing out his confession, that's what he was doing. He was writing out a confession from his sin of Bathsheba. He had committed adultery, uh, gotten her pregnant, killed off the husband. I mean, it's like, you know, that's varsity sin going on there. But in chapter 51 of the book of Psalms, he says, uh, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I don't know if you like me. Sometimes I just get into the just a the hum-ho of life and I forget to enjoy my salvation. I forget to enjoy my salvation. God's provision for my life. I listen to the critics, or I'll I'll, I'll listen to you know stuff that the negativity, or I'll, you know I'll listen to naysayers. I'll I'll listen to stuff. Just you know what? Forget all that. I'm I'm walking with Jesus. I'm going to be at His feet. You know what? Not everybody will like that. Not everybody will always like the fact that you're walking with Jesus. You're, you're, I mean, you probably know that already. Not everybody will get it. And that's the reason why this text is so important. I believe the reason why the sermon title is, is, is so appropriate. Because in those times, what do we need? Sometimes we don't know what to ask for. So I'm going to keep on asking, I'm going to keep on seeking, and I'm going to keep on knocking. Because my God will not give me a stone when I'm asking for bread. He won't give me a serpent. Thank the Lord He wouldn't give me a serpent. Okay. But thank the Lord he won't give me a serpent when I'm asking for fish. My God is always an on-time God. He knows how to respond to my needs. And just the way that I learn from him, I'm going to demonstrate to everybody else. Man, that's good stuff. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. Uh, when we uh, kind of walk away from a time like this, we may be asking ourselves, you know, Lord, what what do you need from me, uh, in terms of a response, God? God, in terms of me going to this altar or praying here in my pew, what what is it, God, that that you would what you would have uh, for us, Father? I, I think for for me, uh, Lord, if I were to ask that question to you and, and, and asking it on behalf of, of everyone else. I think it's maybe this, Lord. What am I asking for? What am I seeking? And what am I, what am I knocking on on the door to look for, Father? Am I, am I going after things that will bring uh, greater joy, uh, greater holiness? Am I pursuing those things, God, which will edify me and equip me for greater love and service for you? So, Father, may we all tonight just kind of uh, assess where we are. What are we? What are we? asking and seeking and knocking over. And may, dear Lord, as you speak to our hearts this evening, if it's something that we need to bring to this altar, Father, let us do it. If it's a decision that needs to be made, God, let us do it. Father, may we all take this opportunity and spend the time with you that we need over what we've heard tonight in Jesus' name.